0: Welcome, once again, to another edition of Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2002 video game adaptation, Resident Evil. Now, I thought about doing other films that I really enjoy when it comes to the video game adaptations. I'll start right off by saying, Yes, I understand a lot of them have been bad. There's been a streak going on for decades that people haven't been able to make a a good video game movie. But I'll, I'll contest that because movies are subjective, there has been a lot of really fun video game movies. Mortal Kombat is probably the one that everybody says is one of the best video game movies of all time. I was actually thinking about doing that, but I thought everybody's already talked about Mortal Kombat. I'm going to talk about a different one. Then there's also a classic 90s. where We got Double Dragon. I recently rewatched it again, and I really like Double Dragon. Prince of Persia is okay. It's got great... It, it, it looks amazing. It's got really good actors. Fun story. Yeah, there's some issues with it, with it, but it's kind of fun. The two Tomb Raider movies... Are again, really good action films. The latest Warcraft movie, I actually really, really liked. I thought the Orcs story in the in the Warcraft movie was one of the best stories told that year out of every movie I saw. So there's been a lot of interesting up and downs. And yes, there have been some really bad ones as well. Basically, anything done by Bull who just takes properties and destroys our dreams, Yubol is an awful direct director and he should never be given the reins to make another movie again because he doesn't care about the films. He doesn't care about his movies. He just makes them super cheap, sells them to get a little bit of a profit, goes away, does another venture to make enough money to buy another property and do it all over again. It's all he care, cares about. I don't think he, he may say he cares, but he's awful at it. So I decided to do the Resident Evil, the 2002 Resident Evil. And the reason why I chose to do this is because with Tomb Raider out this past weekend, um, right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's actually the highest rated video game movie of all time. Um, and I'm going to see it tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. So I thought about, you know what, let's revisit another one, another video game movie that I really enjoyed. And Resident Evil is one of my two favorite video game franchises, there's Final Fantasy, actually three, right now it's probably third, Kingdom Hearts is my number one, Final Fantasy is number two, and then Resident Evil is probably number three, I grew up on those games, so when a movie came out, I was excited, I was down, when I saw that first trailer, that wasn't even a trailer, it looked like a commercial for a pharmaceutical company, I was sold, I was down, I was ready, let's go, loved it, Saw the movie, loved it as well. And the story of of at least the Resident Evil movie basically starts off where um, you get an incredible, I want to say you get an incredible opening shot where all you see is the small square and somebody in a biohazard suit working away. And you see it in the distance and then there's black all the way around and then it slowly zooms in. So right off the bat, you're thinking, okay, this is a great shot. Really well done. Pans in and we see... Somebody taking out serum or um, serum, virus, whatever you w- want to call it, pharmaceutical drugs, takes it out, puts it into a case, and seems to basically leave in, in a hurry. And as he leaves, he throws one of the tubes, unleashing the, the liquid inside. So you get your first sense of, okay, this, per- this person isn't a good person. We're going to start off bad. And then we go and we meet a couple people who work in this office. Looks like every, it looks normal, like every other office. Nothing happens, and until finally, the security system comes on and all hell breaks loose. Water's filling up in labs, destroying thing, destroying um, projects. Um, people are getting trapped in elevators. People are dying. And it's just mass chaos. And there's death everywhere. And then the final scene has basically a woman looking like she's going to get her head chopped off by an elevator. But you don't actually see it. But you can assume what happens. And then it cuts to an unknown woman. We don't know who she is. She's played by Mila Jovovich. We don't know who she is. She just wakes up in a shower in a complete daze, confused, doesn't know what's going on, and walks around now if you don't play the video games Alice is a character that has never been in the video games she was created specifically for the movie franchise and as a kid I was thinking you know why why not just use you know you know why not just use one of the characters Claire Redfield Rebecca Chambers any of them you know let's use those Um, any one of those characters I would have been fine with why use why, why, why use one and then I started started to think as I got older, you know what? It's a really it's a really good idea to use a new new care character. Because we if you look around, people that play video games go and see movies. But people that go see movies don't always play video games. So there's a large segment of the population that has no idea about Resident Evil. So by creating a new care character whose first introduction is confused, what's going on? I don't I don't get it people who don't know about the Resident Evil franchise can easily connect with her and think, okay, she's there for me. She's there to represent me, the viewer who doesn't know about Resident Evil. So people that play Resident Evil are already hooked because we know what's happening. We know what's going on. We know the stories. We know Umbrella Corporation. We know everything. But the people who don't don't play games, they have this character, Alice, to connect with and follow through and learn about the story Of Resident Evil with her, so as I got older, I kind of really, really liked it. And as she's walking around, um, it it builds this sense of horror, and that, and that's what was great about the original games, is that it's it's a horror survival game. It's not an action-packed game. I mean, it later the series later became both the movies and the video games became an action-packed franchise, and it was basically to its detriment. But the first game was a very much a horror. It was set in a mansion, very similar to the movie as well. So right off the bat, people who played video games already can have a sense of, okay, you know what, we're starting the movie franchise off very similar to how we started off the video game franchise. So you get this, this dark man mansion outside of Raccoon City, and you get a sense of horror, which I love. There's a scene where she walks out, um, and she sees this uh, basically this hallway outside with pillars, and it really it it really emanates, or it basically it really shows you not show shows you what's the word I'm thinking of. It really paints a picture of horror, very similar to some of the things you've 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 seen in old horror films, like The Omen, for instance. Um, Just a sense of dread, despair anger confusion all this stuff and it's a it's a really great scene and then right after that it cuts to a man who tackles her tries to say save her because a bunch of military agents are breaking in into the house and this is when it turns more action heavy and one of them the leader pulls up this woman and we realize that her name is Alice and asks for a report and she goes what And he goes, I want your report. And then you get another sense of, okay, something else is going on. She knows more than she's letting on. And there's something more to her character. But we're going to find out a little bit later. And we come to realize that these are agents that work for Umbrella. And they're trying to get underneath the mansion. They break in. They find this secret room, secret stairwell, that goes down to this train station. So finally, they follow the train station in, and again, we're confused about where they're going. So they follow the train. They hop on the train and they follow. And then an unknown man falls out as they open a the door. An, an unknown man falls out of a locker, and then Alice sees him, and we realize that during, through flashbacks that she's actually married to him. They have a real they have a relationship. They're married and everything. So now, as an audience, we're thinking, okay, what's going on? This guy is in the secret area. He's married to Alice. Alice has no idea what's going on. But clearly, these agents know who Alice is. And you start to think and you start to believe that, okay, there's a conspiracy going on. There's, there's some work that we don't know what's ha- happening. So you're starting to get confused. But it's, it's building a picture. And that's what's great about uh, about this film is it understands that there are people who know the story, but there are people that not, and it slowly builds a picture of what's actually going on. So they finally arrive at the train st- station, and this is when we get the big speech, um, who is done by Colin Salmon, who plays One. Now, you, you may not know know the name, but if you look him up, he's, an, he's a prolific British actor who's been in a ton of things, if you've seen London has fallen, he was the black guy who was the head of Scotland Yard. I think it was Scotland Yard he was uh, the head the head of and I think he's been in one of the Mission Impossible movies I forget, but if you see him you'll understand who he is and then he explains that they're in what's called the hive and it's an underground facility. Run by Umbrella Corporation, and Umbrella Corporation is the largest company in the states, and it's one of the biggest companies in the entire world. World as well, it's a ph- pharmaceutical company that offers healthcare, drugs, and things like that. But it's also got a lot of secret projects as well, military, um, virus and ser- vi- vi- virus development, um, human human genome kind kind of stuff. And even though this was filmed in 2002, it feels very much like the story is active today with everything going on with these big governments and their tampering of data to sell to highest bidders. And they're taking, you know, just what happened with Facebook recently and their co- cooperation with a different company who, who data mines people's personal information, sell, sells them off. So there's more behind these companies. And so this feels like it's it's something that could have happened now, which is which allows it to stand up better over time, which is good. So he describes that 5 hours ago they lost communication with this base called called the Hive. It's a secret facility underneath raccoon city that the only way to get to it is through the mansion. And Mila Jovovich's character Alice is married to James Purfoy's character Spence. He was the guy that fell out of the train. And we realized that their marriage is a fake and they're actually agents there uh, as a co- cover story to protect the entrance into the hive. So we realized that a biohazard facility or like a virus was, lo- was let loose, causing the security system to go on lockdown and lose contact with the rest of the world. And this is where we are now. So what they have to do is they have to make their way to a, the Red Queen, and the Red Queen is basically the security of the of the facility. And they have to get to her, and they have to figure out what's going on. And that's essentially their their job is to for reconnaissance. You know what's going on, where are all all the people. As they try to try travel tra- travel through, we find out that there's nobody in sight. They don't know where anybody is. They haven't found anybody yet. There's no scientists. There's no people. Everybody's gone except you get this really cool shot of a scientist behind some glass in uh, in a lab that's completely flo- flooded, kind of floats up to the glass. And it's a pretty... It, it's a jump scare scene. But they talk, p- people talk more, and then they leave. And this is where we get our first sense of zombies. They never call them zo- zombies, but we know what they are. And... As they walk away, the camera pans over to her, and her hand comes against the glass, and her eyes open up, saying that she's still she's still there. She's still alive, or as live as can be. So they finally get to the entrance into the Red Queen, and they get to the laser room scene. Now, this is probably the best scene in the entire film, hands down. What this is, it's a it's a hallway with glass and laser and uh, a laser for security, and you get this really, really, really well done scene of a laser going from wall to wall, so they get locked in this, basically this hallway, three or four, four of them, I believe, for the, for the agents, and this laser comes by, and essentially, think of it like a lightsaber, and just cuts through things, like with ease. One guy gets part of his hand cut off, his his fingers. The other girl gets her neck sliced off, and you get a scene of it slowly coming off, off her neck. Then we get another scene of a laser lowering, lowering down na- around their knees, probably around in between their, around their calves, coming towards them. And one guy thinks he's going to j- jump up, but as he jumps, the laser rises up as well, cuts him in half, and keeps going up higher and higher, because it's going to try and kill the other guy but the other guy escapes by going just like a couple inches in between the ceiling and the laser but it cut, cuts off his knife so everybody's dead except, for, except except for one one guy left his name is one and what's and what's a really funny scene that plays really well if you've never seen the movie before is another laser's coming by and he thinks he's going to jump, and then it just expands into this grid and just cuts him into little tiny pieces. And if you've never seen the movie before, it is a, it's, a, it's a really surprising scene that it just knocks your socks off when you see it, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's dead. So it's a great scene, and they finally get into the Red Queen's lair. And we get the scene of the Red Queen being basically played by this digital hologram of a little British girl, and we find out that he was that she was uh, basically created after the daughter of the, secu- the head the head of security, who we end up meeting in future Resident Evil movies. So we meet the real Red Queen, and they learn basically what's going on, and they learn what what happened, but they realize that they can't can't escape. So they figure if we shut down the red queen they'll be able to escape but what the red queen warns is with her up she's keeping all of the monsters locked up preventing them from getting loose and just before they shut her down you get you get probably the best line in the film where she turns her head and she says with a british accent you're all going to die down down here and it's a great line it's really well, well, well played. It's chilling. It's great. But it unlocks all, all the doors. And we cut back to a different room where we see other agents basically waiting for the rest. And we start to hear noises. One And then Michelle Rodriguez's character, Rain, goes to investigate. And she sees this scientist and they think, oh, great. You know, there's actually survivors down here. But unfortunately, she gets bitten by her one other guy comes over shoots her a couple times in the kneecaps realizes she's not going down so finally Rain unloads like 20 bullets into her and she goes flying and they're thinking you know what's going on I put 5 bullets in her and she's still still standing and then other zombies come out and then it gets into this massive firefight and they're shooting them but they're not staying down and they don't know why a couple of people die they finally, and then they finally escape. Now, after they escape, it cuts back to um, the other people uh, Matt, who was the police officer from earlier, um, Alice, they're kind of walking around trying to figure out what's going on. And Alice enters the this lab, looks around, starts to get a little more memories, but then we find zombie dogs. And one dog attacks her. She is able to run, gets into a room and hides. But when she turns around, there's a zombie there. She takes out the zombie, but then realizes that that was the the guard for all the dogs for animal animal testing, and they got loose and they're zombie dog dog dogs now. And she has a really cool kind of um, matrix light scene of her jumping off the walls, fighting dogs. It's a pretty cool scene, actually. And you start to think, you know, how does she know this stuff? But it's because of her previous training and she has more flashbacks, which is bringing her more. And then she realizes that there was this girl that she was talking to about giving records and codes and and everything to. And then she starts realizing that, you know, maybe she was a a double agent. Cuts back to Matt. Matt's looking for a couple of papers. And then he stands up and he sees the zombie coming behind her. Behind him, turns around, finds realizes that it's his sister. So we find out that his sister, he's the whole reason why he's here, is to find his sister, which echoes um, Chris and Claire Redfield's story that started in Resident Evil Two. Well, actually, it started in Resident Evil One because you play as Chris Redfield in Re- Resident Evil One, um, and so it's it kind of harks back to the whole. Chris Redfield, Claire Redfield story, but somewhat because in future future Resident Evil, both Claire and Chris end up making appearances. So we realize more about Matt and we understand what he's doing here. And we find out that Matt's sister was infiltrating Umbrella Corporation and she was going to get in contact with Alice And Alice was going to provide her with information to bring down the Umbrella Corporation. And then we also find out that Alice is a double agent. So we do end up finding out that Alice is a double agent. So finally, everybody else meets back up. They head to the Red Queen's room, turn her back on. And that's when the Red Queen kind of explains to them, you got to shoot them in the head. Because they're zombies, but they don't call them zombies. And, that, and that's one thing I like about this movie, is they don't actually call them zombies. Because this isn't a zombie film. It's a it's a evil cor- cor- corporation doing experiments wrong. So it's not actually a zo- zombie film. So I like the fact that they don't actually call it zombies. Now, as they start 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 to escape, they head into the underground tunnels, because that's basically the only way that they can get out. They get attacked by more zombies... Some people die. Party gets split up. Uh, Rain, Matt, and Alice escape. And the other guy, Kaplan, who is probably the, like one of the main guys who, who know who he, he's the computer guy. He escapes as well, but he escapes somewhere else. And then finally, Spencer or Spence, Rain, Matt, and Alice and end up in this lab and that's where everything gets get gets revealed that the person from the very beginning who was trying to steal the T virus was in fact Spence. And the reason why he was doing it, because he caught cause he caught Alice talking to Lisa. So he wanted to get he wanted to escape because he he figured before Umbrella's broad brought, brought down, he's gonna steal something, he's gonna sell it to the blood. He's going to sell it and make millions, potentially billions of dollars. So he, and then, so we all know what's going on now, and the entire cast knows what's go, going on now. Zombie comes up, bites Spence. He kills the zombie, and he's able to escape, locking the other three in the room. So Spence goes down to, the, so Spence is now free, and he heads to the train because there's a because there's an antidote in there as well. Tries to stick himself with the the antidote, but that's when we get our second essentially our kind of like a third appearance. But this is where we get to see fully the liquor. And if you know Resident Evil 2, you know li- you know the liquor. I didn't think having the liquor in this movie was a good idea. The the budget I don't think like the liquor is a heavy CG um, character. I wish they would have had him more practical and less CG and, and, and visual. You could have done it similar to um, something similar to like um, An American Werewolf in Paris, the John La- John Landis film. I think you could have done something with that, with really good practical special effects, like the thing and everything. I don't, I didn't think you needed to go digital because it clearly looked fake, and the digital CG did not. It did not hold up well. It didn't. The the liquor's a great creature in the games, not so much for the movie. So that I could have done done without. So finally. Spence is dead. He's been killed by the liquor, lick, the and now the, the liquor is coming out after our remaining three heroes. They're almost about to die. They're trying to escape, escape this room. The Red Queen says, I can't let you out until you kill Rain because she's infected. So just before they kill her, all the power shuts down, and we find out that it's Kaplan who had a kill switch from earlier, used it, shut off the queen, opened up all the doors, and they were all able to escape so they make it back to the train they see that Spence is there they kill him, hop on the train and they finally start to escape as they're riding the train back up to the house the liquor attacks kills Kaplan and it's about to kill the rest of them but Rain finally turns into a zombie Matt shoots Rain, she falls back Opens up a a gate on the ground. Liquor falls through, and ends up dying and getting burned burned to death. Again, the liquor is a really cool, a really frightening character in the game because he's so overpowered compared to what you usually have for weapons that most of the time you end up running. But in this movie, he was it was kind of weak. It was underused. If you're going to have the liquor, it would have been great to have the liquor, like off the start of the film or earlier in the film. And then have them trying to escape with this thing hunting them, similar to the way um, the xenomorph was in 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 Alien. They were trying to escape the ship, but this one thing kept hunting them down. If they treated the the liquor in this movie like the xenomorph in Alien, that thing would have been amazing. And I think they tried to go a little too action heavy on this. I think if they dialed up more of the horror, um, this could have been good. This could have been... Honestly, if Resident Evil... If the people that are making Resident Evil just sat down and watched Alien and said, we need to make something similar to this, it could have been great. This movie could have been amazing. Because going through everything and thinking about about the correlation with with Alien, one of the reasons that made Alien so good was an unstoppable monster and everybody was in tight confined spaces. One of the things that were that that was great in the first Resident Evil game. You're in tight spaces, you're in a, you're in just a you're in a man mansion with these unknown creatures stalking you. If they treated Resident Evil like like Alien, Resident Evil could have been an amazing movie that could have broke the mold way earlier and been one of the best horror sites sci-fi movies of all of all time but unfortunately fortunately they tried to go too too gamey and i'll talk about that a little bit later on but they finally escape they make it back up to the house all that's left is alice and matt matt starts to get Start, start, starts to get ill and sick because of his massive scratch from, from the liquor that, that he got from the fight and then finally he's, he, he's, he start, he's in agony and pain and that's when scientists in biohazard suits break in kidnap Alice kidnap Matt and for Resident Evil fans we got a huge easter egg and a, and, and a really fun kind of nod when one of the scientists says I want, I want this guy in the nemesis program and if you've ever played resident evil 2 you know who the nemesis is and you know he's one of the strongest characters in the entire resident evil franchise so that's great but they butchered him in resident evil apocalypse but in this movie at least that was really cool when you're again this movie came out in 22 i was 16 years old when this came out i loved the games since they came out when i heard somebody say put him in the nemesis program i flipped I lost it I thought oh my god yes this is me actually I think it was 15 at the time but I was like yes this is great I love it I want to see a second one they take Alice and she gets knocked out she wakes up in a hospital dazed confused again doesn't know what's going on escapes the hospital walks outside and we get a shot of the entire street basically looking like the walking dead everything has been demolished um, not everything has been demolished, but like it, it looks like a war. It looks like a war zone on the street and it pans out. We see that the whole city is ruined and that's how the, the movie ends again. Not a great movie, but when you're 15 years old, you're a huge fan of Resident Evil They still hadn't really made a lot of video game movies at that point. I loved it. I still like it. It can't be fun, you know. Overall, though, um, it could have been better. I never actually thought of the comparison between Alien and the Resident Evil franchise. I never thought of that until talking now. But as I said, if they made it similar to that, it would have been great. This movie was only made for $33 million. So even in 2002, that wasn't a lot. This movie ended up grossing $103 million. And if you think, oh my God, that's a lot. This franchise is the most successful female-led franchise of all time. Let let that sink in. In all of movie history, dollar-wise, I'm only speaking of dollars because that's really all that matters in the film industry you make movies to make money and the Resident Evil franchise is the most successful female led franchise it might let me check actually you know what it might be second because Hunger Games may actually have beaten it out Uh, actually I think it did Um, I'm just pulling it up right now actually you know what yeah I think the Hunger Games franchise beat it, but let me take a look and see. Yeah, it did. Okay, so this is actually the second one. So Hunger Games is number one because Hunger Games did $2.9 billion. But for the longest time, until 2000... Yeah, basically, this movie is one of the largest female-led franchises of all time which is kind of nuts if you think about it. It's also the first video game, it's the highest grossing video game film franchise. It's not saying much because every other film franchise have really only done one or two movies, but this franchise have grossed over $1.2 billion. Worldwide, the first Resident Evil did $102 million. The second one did just under $130 million. The third one did $148 million. The fourth one went from... A, so the third one was 148. The fourth one went to $300 million. The fifth one went to $240 million. And the sixth one that came out last year, a year ago, a little over a year ago, did $312 million. That means on a budget, a production budget of, a, of $290 million for all the films... This franchise grossed 1.2 billion dollars and the critics hate this franchise. I'm I mean they hate this franchise. The highest the highest rated film in the franchise is the last one at 36%. Critics hate this movie with a passion. But fans actually like the franchise. A lot of people say that the Resident Evil franchise is their guilty pleasure. James Cameron says that the first Resident Evil movie is his guilty pleasure. I own almost every one of the Resident Evil movies because it's my guilty pleasure. I love this franchise as well. And one thing that's funny is back in, I think it was 1998, Resident Evil 2 came out and it had a contest. There was this sheet because right around that time they had sold their... uh, uh, film, film rights to Constantine films and they had this contest that in the North American versions of Resident Evil 2 there was this card that that asked you to put your name into and um, asked you to put your name into it and you could win a chance to be in uh, a Resident Evil movie so everyone was like oh my god this is great but the only problem is it took so long for them to actually make um, a movie that that contest nev- I don't never ended up ha- ha- happening. Everything I searched on the internet shows that, that that contest never actually went through. So whoever won that, you didn't actually get into um, you didn't actually get into the, uh, the movie. One of the more interesting things that I didn't actually realize until I I researched more about this is the narrator at the start of the film and the doctor at the end of the film was played by Jason Isaacs. Now, that same year that Resident Evil came out, another movie came out with Jason Isaacs in. And that movie was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets where he played Lucius Malfoy. So whereas the character that he played in Resident Evil, Dr. William Brinken, ended up turning into Dr. Isaac in later films, he... I, it, it, I guess... I couldn't find anything definitive on it, but I'm pretty sure that the reason why he couldn't do later films was because um, he ended up choosing the Harry Potter f- franchise. And you know what? That's probably the good choice. That's probably the be- best choice. Because if he turned down the Harry Potter fra- franchise to do the Resident Evil franchise, again, I would have been happy because it would have been really cool to see somebody like that in this, in this franchise. But from a career point of view, May not may not have been the best choice. Now, who ended up going on to play Doctor Isaacs in future films was Ian Glenn. Now, lay, lately, Ian Glen is known for his role in Game of Thrones as Yora Mormont. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he's essentially the older guy who loved Khaleesi and was her guide while she was uh, joining the ultimate friend zone person. So that's what a lot of people know him more as now. But he's also done a lot of a lot of other work as well. But again, he ended up taking over the role that was supposed to be for Jason Isaacs. So good on you, Jay, Jason Isaacs, I think you made the right choice. Now, the question that a lot of people always think is, why can't they make a good video game movie? and the reasons why are because one you can't adapt a video game story if you try and if if you try and adapt a a video game story to a movie it's not going to work because those stories are written and built to be 4 5 10 15 20 hours long those stories are made for a series not a two-hour movie. So what a lot of... So the parts of the story that make it really good in a game, you'd have to rush through and you'd have to cut down. So when you're making a video game movie, you need to make an, ori- an original story. You just can't recreate one of the games. Like if you were going to do... If you were going to do... Um, if you were gonna do nathan drake which that's probably the video game movie that they should do next stop with rampage stop with all these other things it needs to be uncharted and to make a good uncharted movie just make a good indiana jones movie that's how you do it you can't recreate you can't recreate these games based off of the stories you have to make unique stories if you're gonna make, it you have to make different stories from the, the the actual films. Not only that, another reason is because a lot of video games. Part of what's great about the games are the mechanics. When you look at the Resident Evil games themselves, their stories are stupid. They're dumb stories. They're poorly written. I mean. Jill Valentine, you know, here's, you know, for you the master of unlocking things. In a movie, that would be awful. But in a video game, because we've accepted that a lot of video games have dumb over-the-top stories, it's okay. Because as long as the mechanics are great. And one of the reasons why the Resident Evil franchise is great, the early ones, is because of the puzzle so- puzzle solving. Some people don't like them, I actually really like them in the original ones where you had to go back and find this and do this and do this and all this stuff. I really li- like those parts. But a lot of what makes a game great are the mechanics. And you can't recreate those in a game, in a movie. So if you're looking... So if you try and recreate a game, if you, if you try and turn a game into a movie franchise, like, for instance, Super Mario Brothers. That was an awful movie. Now they went way left field, like so far, like they went so far left field that where the video game was playing baseball, it was it was like playing water polo in the in a different building. That's how far left they went. But part of the reasons why Super Mario Brothers are great are because of the mechanics, because of the the, the platforming that's why people like banjo kazooie that's why people like mario because the platforming game are is great the story in the mario brothers games they're trash princess gets kidnapped you need to go collect stars to save her there's no story in those things but what's great about those games are the mechanics and when you try and infuse a stupid story it's not gonna work it's just not going to work so don't based don't create movies based off of games where the main reason why people like them are because of the mechanics. And this is another reason why it's because people try and stay too faithful to it. I don't want to go into a movie where they've taken a video game and turned this and turned that video game into a movie. I don't want to see that. I don't. Some of my favorite games, as I said, are Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasies. If you turn those into movies, they would be awful movies. They just would. They'd be so melodramatic and whiny and so just crazy and dumb that they wouldn't make good movies. You can't. You just can't make them into good. Whereas comic books, for instance, comic books and books, you can adapt into a movie you have that ability to they're a lot easier video games aren't so when you try and go too faithful to a video game it's gonna turn out bad because not a lot of games have very good stories sorry a lot of games have good stories but they're not written well the writing in a lot of games are not that good when you sit down and you actually look at some of the right writing in a lot of the biggest franchises they're not that good they're actually kind of bad but part of one of the reasons why we love video games are because of the bad writing in a movie we can't accept that so if you want to make if you want to make a good video game movie use the name use the characters create an original story that's set similar to the original one and don't choose games that are great because of the mechanics and not the story because Banjo-Kazooie is one of the best stories out is one of the, is one of the most popular games out there that people love but I couldn't tell you what the story was I think like his sister gets kidnapped or something like that by this weird evil witch I don't know like Call of Duty could work But then it just turns into, again, some of the writing is so over the top and ludicrous that it it might not work. Like, there's just a lot of video games that don't work. Uncharted is a game that could work because, and this is the reason why, because that game was built to have a cinematic feel. They went into that and thought, we're going to create a game that feels like a movie, and that is a lot easier to translate into an actual film. Okay, well, I think I've talked a little bit enough about the Resident Evil franchise, or at least the first one, and my takes. Uh, I look forward to hearing what uh, anybody else thinks about the Resident Evil movie, franchise on whole, video game movies as a whole. Is there any video game franchise out there that you think could work as a movie? Is there any filmmakers that you think could make a video game movie great let me know you can reach me at mets at the movies on twitter and i will see you at the next screening